Welcome, folks, to another edition of Opinions All Day, and this week I will be covering the big game today, the Chargers, as you probably know, are 0-2, playoff mode has already been activated, and that is not a good sign. You never want to be a team that has to be in playoff mode football in September, in week three. Well, this is where this team is at. This team is already at the point where they can't afford to lose too many games. Week one, absolute disaster, unprepared in pass defense. Offense had a really, 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 really good first game given all the kinks and, you know, that comes with learning a new offense. And, you know, Justin Herbert, he's had a million coordinators, Shane Steichen, Joe Lombardi and his crappy offense, and, then, and now you got Kellen Moore. So you expect the offense to be, you know, working out some problems and trying to figure out who works best where. And on defense, given that our coach is a defensive coordinator, naturally, been a D coordinator all his life, been coaching linebackers, you know, Brandon Staley, and his crappy defense. They were unprepared in week one. They were unprepared. They were not prepared to play in the football game in week one at all. 466 yards to two a turnover. To two a turnover. 466 yards against that guy. And they had gave up 215 of those yards to one and only... Tyreek Hill, who not only is the fastest guy in the NFL and the most dangerous deep threat in the NFL, future Hall of Famer, he played in your division. He played against us two times a year. And Brandon Staley coached against him a few times. You should know better. There was no game plan for Tyreek Hill. It was The game plan was leave him wide open. And let the disaster secondary try to guard him. Stupid idea. Just yeah, just leave him wide open, and and they left other guys wide open. So the secondary was a complete train wreck in week one. We had no idea what the run defense was going to look like because heading in. If you were to ask any Chargers fan what was your biggest concern, it wasn't the secondary necessarily because we've always been top 10. Despite the run defense being a train wreck every single year, no matter what, the pass defense was respectable. Top 15, top 10. Week 1, it was horrendous. It was terrible. The Dolphins... 
didn't even try to run the football because they didn't have to. They could just throw it all day. And we did nothing about it. Did nothing about it. So we have no idea how really bad the run defense is. And then in game two, the run defense wasn't spectacular. Derrick Henry wasn't great. He had 25 carries, 80 yards. But to be honest, every time the Titans ran the ball, they still got four to five yards per carry. So (laughs) the run defense isn't fixed. The run defense is not fixed. We just haven't gotten to a game where a team is going to run the football over and over again, and we're probably going to get there very soon because teams are not stupid. The Chargers might be stupid because this is a stupid football team right now. This is a stupid football team. We make too many stupid mistakes in key moments of games when where you cannot have them. Game one, it was mental breakdowns on pass defense, stupid penalties. Game two, it got worse. We had stupid penalties, late hits, dirty hits, Duran James, helmet the helmet hits. Like, like you can't do that. And I get it, Duran James. I praise him all the time for bringing his lunch pail every single week for this defense that routinely lets him down. And I appreciate everything he does. I love his energy. Because no one else in the defense brings anything close to what Duran James brings to the table. He brings energy. He brings passion. He brings effort. You can tell he actually studies film, unlike the other fools on this defense, which I don't know what they're doing the whole week. Like, are they playing patty cake, or are they actually doing stuff? Like, are they practicing? Because I can't. Because I I can never tell. But like, whether it's the run defense, whether it's the pass defense, I don't know what it. The offense sometimes. Like, I don't know what they're doing during the week. And that leads to these stupid late-game penalties, late-game execution, penalties, execution, it sucks. No one one knows what they're doing. And it happens throughout the game. Like, right out of the gate, every single week, you can count on it. The defense is, like, if the opposing team receives the football, the defense is going to look like crap. It's almost like Brandon Staley and his part of his stupid genius is is to be like, we're not going to watch film the whole week, and we're just going to react to what they do. That's how the team plays. We play like a team that reacts to what the opposing team does. Against good football teams, you have to be able to set a tone. You have to set the tone against the Dolphins on defense. Can't just be on offense. The offense is running the football. Ran for 248 yards in in the first game. And you don't set a tone on defense. You give up 215 yards to one guy and 466 yards in total 
536. You can't have that and expect to be a team that's going to be able to beat anyone. Especially when you give it up against Tua. And I don't care what people say. Tua is not better than Justin Herbert. Not even close. Not even close. Like I'm so sick and tired of this. I have to go on Twitter. Whatever it's called now. And have to read about these stupid articles. I don't read the articles. But I see them all the time. It's like why two is better than Justin Herbert. It's like over and over again. Whether it's ESPN that writes it. USA Today. CBS. I mean name the network. And it's some. Or Peter King. Who's a classic. I mean, I get it. The guy's had a long career, but he writes some stupid articles. Like, he just reminds me of Jay Leno. Just, you know, sticks around too long. Peter King's an idiot. Like, the fact that he believes Tua is better than Justin Herbert is ridiculous. Tua has a great head coach. Like, I wish the Chargers had Mike McDaniel as head coach. Offensive head coach, smart. You can tell they prepare during the week. Like, I can't tell Brandon Staley prepares during the week. That is a problem. That's been the problem of the last couple of head coaches. We hire a bunch of guys that have no experience of being a head coach. It's usually a coordinator from, some, you know, the Broncos or the Patriots or I don't know, let's pick a random team. We get some coordinator that everyone loves, whether it's on defense or offense, there's some supposed genius. Like, you know, that really gets old. Because you know like how like one or two of those work? Like oh, like when like when they have a guy that's hyped, like Brandon Staley, they go back and look, he was really hyped as a head coach candidate. Young genius, the defensive version of Mike Mc, of uh the Rams head coach, whatever the hell his name is, Sean McVay. That was what we were being sold. We could have had Brian Dable. We didn't go that route. Dean Spanos, John, they wanted Brandon Staley from the Rams. And was that a poke the bear, the Rams, like, uh, we're taking your guy? I don't know. Maybe, you know, Dean and John are a little weird. So that that's probably what they were doing. They love doing that stuff. They love poking bears, and they love pissing people off. They love trolling. That's probably what they would, what that was, you know, taking the Rams guy. Woohoo, ha boo-boo-boo. And the Rams won the Super Bowl, and we get stuck with Brandon Staley, who can't, who doesn't know what he's doing. Like, first year in 2021, he was aggressive, tough. We're going to balls deep. We're, you know, we're, we're going to go for it. We're not scared of anyone. Media ripped him for it. And he caves. And last year, he was Mr. Softy Pants, Mr. Ultra Conservative. 
along with Joe Lombardi, and you know it, it, we suffered from it. We instead of going for for it in the red zone, we would kick a field goal. But instead, we would go for it at midfield. Weird, but like he would be aggressive randomly and sort of just on the fly by the seat of your pants. And it's just like it left you, it leaves you like confused. Like you're just confused on uh, on what he's seeing during the game because I'm seeing one thing. All of us, we're seeing a version of the game and I don't know what version he's watching half the time because he makes really questionable decisions and it trickles down to the rest of the team. He just needs to let the coordinators do their job because it has caused a problem. We gave up a big game to Ryan Tannehill. He was perfect last week. We've made two average quarterbacks back-to-back weeks, one that's average and up-and-coming, and one that's average and out the door. He's, Ryan Tannehill is washed. He should not go 20 for 24 on you. If you're a defensive guru and the talent this defense has with Duran James, with Khalil Mack, I don't know where the hell he's been. He's just been nowhere to be found the first two weeks. Like that, th- that's a contract we've got. Whoever takes over, like whoever it is, he needs to be gone. Joey Botha, he's hurt again as usual. He actually had a pretty good game and a pitch count. Congratulations. He had two sacks. Tooley had a big game. Like he looks ready to go. Kendricks, he signed him. He's hurt. He's peanut brittle. And, and again, it's weird signings too. So why would I know Kendricks is pretty good, but he's been in the league for seven years, and you and you sign an old older linebacker. Ugh. it's like signing a running back, an old running back. We just have weird signings. J.C. Jacks has been a freaking train wreck. Like we were sold that as like I mean I saw the stat the other night. On ESPN, BSPN, one of their shows, and they said Chasey Jackson has had 18 interceptions in the last couple of years, the last three to four years. He leads NFL. He's had one interception since he's been with the Chargers. He's been terrible. Like, he just looks like another version of Chris Harris Jr. That's what he looks like. He's that sl- like he is slow. Like Chris Harris Jr. was not a fast guy, and had other and there's other issues with him. But uh, that that has been a bust. Like whoever takes over the team, whoever is still in charge, whether it's Tom Telesco or some other Joker, he needs J. C. Jackson needs to be gone. That is a disaster. That that is a horrendous si- signing. Like. It's not gonna get any better. Like I got Brandon Staley needs to just run the team, motivate the team. That's what he needs to do. He needs to let Derek Ansley take control of this mess because obviously, no one understands the scheme. The the secondary, obviously, has no cohesion. 
no wavelength, no chemistry. That's that's a horrendous sign because it's the same group. And what did we hear over and over again? We heard, hey, everyone's hurt. You know, guys are banged up. We don't have a starter. We don't have all of our starters. We don't have all of our stars. We don't have Joey Boza. We don't have Cleo Mack. JC Jackson's hurt. This guy's hurt. We don't, you know, when we get healthy, woof, we're going to take off. Everyone was healthy week one. Train wreck. Everyone was healthy week two, and he gave up. I lost count of how many deep balls Ryan Tannehill bombed away on us. 246 yards of Ryan Tannehill. And your deep run defense did a good enough job against Derrick Henry. 25 carries, 80 yards. You did the best you could. In a game where Justin Herbert in the offense, Justin Herbert, 305 yards, two touchdowns, made big plays. Keenan Allen had a big game, 111 yards. Your offense made plays to win the game, and defense can't hang on. Give up a 12-yard run to Ryan Tannehill. You can't have that stupid BS. You just can't. When they they gave up deep balls over and over again, that set up these touchdowns. And then the offense did good. They did a good job overall. Wasn't perfect. That was a B B minus game because they had opportunities to score touchdowns and they kicked field goals instead. They've got to work on that. The offense needs to be developed. Like, where's Darius Davis? Where's the speed? Where's the speed we've heard that that we've been hearing about over and over again? I've talked about it at nauseum on this show over and over again about Darius Davis fast. One of the fastest guys in the combine. He can catch the football. He can return the football. He can line up at running back. He can be a Swiss Army Knife type of player if you're creative on offense. And when you have the quarterback for it, you should be able to get them involved. They're not getting them involved. Quentin Johnston, where is he at? Where is Quentin Johnston? Quentin Johnston needs to be involved in the game plan. Why are you running screen passes to freaking Keenan Allen and Mike Williams? Doesn't make any sense. You have all the speed on this team, and you're going to do that? Come on, Kellen Moore. It reminds me, uh, it's a little bit of Joe Lombardi. Like, I don't understand the offense of design. I got times. I'm not complaining. The run game is much better. The run schemes are way much better than that crap we saw for two years. But the passing concepts have been confusing to me. 
Why are you not getting the speed guys involved? We know Keenan Allen's a great receiver, but he's not a screen pass kind of guy. Anyone knows that. Anyone that watches the team understands that's not how Keenan Allen plays. He's a possession receiver. Mike Williams is a deep possession receiver. And we've got to be able to understand we're not with the way the salary cap works and how much we're paying the quarterback, how much we got to pay Rashawn Slater, how much we got to pay all these guys. Doran James. We've got to figure out our con- contracts with Mike Williams. We're not sure how much longer we're going to have him. I don't know. Keenan Allen. We've got to use it when we can use it. And that's what makes all this sickening. The Chargers, we put so much money into that defense, into these wide receivers, into the quarterback, into the offense, into the defense especially. And we're not getting results. We're not getting results. We're not getting wins. We're not getting the games. We're not getting the type of outcomes that we're expecting. This team talks about how how talented we are. I've talked about it over and over again. This team is talented. This is a 14-win team on paper. How could you not see that? Anyone can see that. Justin Herbert, top five quarterback in the league. No argument against that. None. No one's convinced me of that. Watch the tape. Look at the numbers. Take Justin Herbert off the Chargers. Who knows what the hell happens. Four wins, five wins, especially with our backup situation, Easton Stick. We had two good preseason games, but uh, yeah, we're not a playoff team. We have an offense of Mike Williams, Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen's been a reliable receiver year after year after year after year. Mike Williams, he's had injuries, but he, when he's healthy, man, he is a deep threat, a top five deep threat in the league. Really, really good. Austin Eckler, talented running back, catch the football. My problems with him are relevant. But he's definitely talented. I don't like the way he's handled this contract stuff. I believe it's been immature. I believe it's been pathetic. I believe it's been juvenile, self-centered. But I cannot deny that he is important to this team in, in a way. Not as much as Justin Herbert, not as much as the defense and Duran James, not as much as Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, not not as much as the O-line, but he's important in a way. We have the offensive line. Corey Lindsey, the best center in football, top five at worst. Rashawn Slater, the best left tackle in football. Trey Pipkins. Coming off a great year. The receivers. Quentin Johnson. Darius Davis. Mike Williams. Keenan Allen. Defense. Duran James. 
Joey Boza, who's, you know, supposed to, supposed to be really good. Who's supposed to be a superstar, disappointing, but he's there. Kaleo Mack. Secondary. You know, J.C. Jackson's supposed to be really good, right? Asante Samuel Jr., a becoming star. He's been disappointing, too. We have big names, but none of them, we don't put it together as a team. It's always, something's always wrong, whether it's the defense or their offense. And when looking at today's game against the Vikings, and when I was picking the games, picking the schedule, mapping out the Chargers, map to success and to getting 14 wins. I had them 2-0 heading into the Vikings game. And I had the Vikings winning this game because this is a tough place to play. Minnesota Vikings, without a question, have the best home crowd, the best home environment in the league. That's a loud building. And this offense has had issues late in games and communication. This defense has had issues in communication, which is pathetic, which is horrendous to even say, because that should not be the case. You can look at any other team in the league. Maybe the Bears are worst of just absolute train wrecks. Like, they're a joke, too. They have their problems. But we are just pathetic. Like, the, our issues are just... If you were to try to explain to any fan base, and, and it's actually hard to do, of the amount of dysfunction we get to see every week, is astounding. Like, it's... And it, it can't... The words don't do it justice. It's always something. Whether it's the head coach, Brandon Staley, getting in the way. Anthony Lynn had problems. Mike McCoy. The Mike Riley era, which was an absolute shit fest. And now you got Brandon Staley, who... Who's a roller coaster. Like, we don't know what we're going to get. They're either going to come out ready to go. Offense is ready to go. Defense plays good enough. Like, the defense, people need to realize. Charger fans on social media need to understand. This is, the the defense is not going to get any better. Like, the defense is what it is. That Titans game is the best version of that defense we're going to see. That is the best version of that defense. That's not getting fixed during the season. This whole idea of we'll just fix it at the bye week. We'll just fix it. We'll, we'll just fix it. No, you don't just fix it. When something is broken on a team... It's just broken. You're not fixing it. If they couldn't fix it in training camp, they couldn't 
fix it during the offseason. If they couldn't fix it during the preseason, during training camp, if they couldn't fix it then, if they couldn't fix the pro- like if they couldn't determine the communication, the way the defense is going to be schemed out during the preseason, during the offseason, during training camp, during all that stuff, why in the world would they just magically fix it during the season? Has this team under Brandon Staley indicated to any of you that he can just fix it? No, he has not. No, he has not. No one on this team, no one in this organization, front office, I'm talking about the front office, head coach, front office, coaching staff, has anyone shown any competence on fixing this ship, on turning this ship around? Has anyone showed the ability to be like, hey, we have a consistent plan? No. And this Vikings team is explosive on offense. The pass defense has looked horrendous the entire season. The first two games, the pass defense has been a joke. Our expensive, shitty pass defense and guess who we play today we play Justin Jefferson who is the best receiver in the league the best receiver in the league he has 309 yards on the season touchdown machine breaking records he has what I think he broke Randy Moss's record for the first few years, he broke what well, whatever I don't know. like he broke the record for the first three seasons of a career. He's really good, and if you can't stop Tyreek Hill, is there any any confidence? Is there any belief that like J.C. Jackson, Michael Davis? Alohi Gilman, anyone in the secondary, Asante Samuel Jr., have anyone, have any of those guys shown the ability to stop anyone? Any receiver, any quarterback. Ryan Tannehill, throwing to a bunch of no name guys who are not super duper fast. We made him look fast. We made them look like a really well-oiled machine with Ryan Tannehill. We made them 20 of 24. Oof. 246 yards of Ryan freaking Tannehill. And Derrick Henry was banged up, wasn't even healthy. And you lose that team. Like, an OT, the defense, often sucked. Defense wasn't much better. As it predictable, Ryan Tannehill went down there like it was a Saturday, Monday afternoon, Sunday afternoon at the park. That was too freaking easy. Field goal game over. 
Kirk Cousins at home. People shit on Kirk Cousins. And he's not great. He's not a great quarterback. Another average quarterback in the league. But guess what? He's he's bad. He's especially terrible in primetime games. Well, last time I checked, this game is not primetime. It's a 1 o'clock game. We're probably going to lose. We're going to get the best version of Kirk Cousins because that's when he plays well at home. Sunday afternoon game. He's going to be on it. Justin Jefferson is going to be on it. And again, they got that Addison kid. He's really fast too. So we're probably going to have a bad day on defense. And it's going to be loud. That crowd's going to be pumped up. And they're also 0-2. And then you're going to put the defense is going to be such a train wreck today that it's going to put all the pressure on the offense who's still trying to figure it out. And I bet today communication on the defense or on the offense is going to be not very good. Like it's just not. Like we've looked great on offense the first two weeks. Good enough. Heading into the season, I said this is going to be the game where the, I believe the offense struggles New system, working out the kinks. This is where I thought we could have a loss. Back-to-back -back road games. Vikings have a great crowd. Loud. Kirk Cousins bombs away offense. Justin Jefferson mixed in with a stupid, pathetic secondary. This is lined up to be a disaster. And it's going to be a disaster. On, uh, for the secondary. Like the only hope for this team to win. Is if Justin Herbert. And the offense goes berserk. And they outscore the Vikings. Like that's the only way this team is going to be able to win games. Because you cannot trust the defense. That's why. The offense needs to develop faster. Justin Herbert needs to get better. He needs to. Elevate his game. This is what the great quarterbacks do. I think Justin Herbert's top five in the league. He's shown enough. He's shown a great ability, superstar ability. He needs to elevate his game to 2015 Cam level. He needs to be a superstar. He needs to elevate his game like these other top quarterbacks in the league. If your defense sucks, and I get it, it sucks, but that cannot be an excuse. We're going to talk about a quarterback that can win games, get your team to the AFC Championship, compete for a Super Bowl, which this team on paper, I've said over and over again, is... The quarterback needs to take some ownership. He needs to elevate the team and win some games. I'm not saying it needs to be every game. Like today would be a great opportunity for that. Today would be a great opportunity. Defense is not going to get any better. It's going to be a train wreck. Secondary is going to be the worst in the league. They can, the offense, they can have a big game today. They can win a few games and outscore. Teams do that. Dolphins do it. This offense is no, no different.
We have the weapons. We have the machinery. We have the quarterback. We have the O-line. We have the run game. Dodson, Spiller, get them involved in the game. We have the playmakers on offense. We should be able to win a few games when the defense really, really shits the bed. Because the Vikings don't have a great defense. We cannot make the Vikings have a great defense today. We cannot make that defense look really, really good. Because it's not. I've seen the Vikings enough. To Like in that Colts game last year, that defense got annihilated. That team can be had in that building. They're not in, they're, they're, they are not invincible. But if you go in there scared, soft, pathetic, unorganized, unprepared, not ready to play, you're going to get blown out the door. You're going to get shoved out of the building. You're going to get annihilated, spit out, and shoot out. You're going to get consumed. You're going to get destroyed. That team will blow you away. And we need to be prepared to play. This cannot be the day where the offense and the defense are both disasters. I need the offense to go score for score with Kirk Cousins. Justin Herbert cannot lose to Kirk Cousins. Just cannot happen. If we're going to put Justin Herbert on the same level of these other top quarterbacks, which I believe he belongs, the talent's there. You're not convincing me otherwise. But if he doesn't start winning these games against guys like Tua Turnover, Ryan Tannehill, Kirk Cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo, you got to win those games. You can't have those. You can't lose those games. Dak Prescott. Now, I understand the Cowboys have a great defense, but you got to win some of these games against bad quarterbacks. Against average to bad quarterbacks, you can't you can't lose. So the offense needs that step up as well. So I'm not I'm not trying to just shit on the defense. I'm not trying to shit on anyone, but this is a 14-win team. This is a talented football team that is underachieving, that is not meeting expectations. They need to rise to the occasion. They need to prove that they care about what they're doing. Put some effort into it. Study the playbook. Make adjustments. If you're confused, have a team meeting. Like confusion, not knowing the scheme. You can go to the head coach and be like, hey, we need to change this. We need to talk about this. There's ways to work around that. That's like confusion, not knowing the playbook, being confused by the scheme. That is a stupid excuse. That's pathetic. If anyone disagrees with that, then 
I don't know what else to, to say because you cannot have that. You cannot have that. You cannot be confused with this, like with the scheme. Then if you don't know the scheme, if you don't know what's going on, then there's nothing else that can happen. So the offense, this needs to be an offense today. We cannot just live in magical land. We can't live in fantasy land and pretend that, oh, yeah, well, you know the defense. (laughs) We're just going to show up today. The defense is going to have a great game. It's going to be lights out. It's going to be just sparkles. No, it's not. You know it and I know it. The only way this defense has a decent game is if Kirk Cousins turns the ball over. If Kirk Cousins is on one and he's cooking, Justin Jefferson's balling out of control, we will lose the game. But if the offense can make plays and just try to outscore them and then have a game-winning field goal to win the game, then maybe you have a chance. But if not, but if not, if the offense can't get some consistency, can't have that game where they can just have a big game, if we don't get that, then we're not going to win. Point blank. And I get it. I've, I've hyped this team up. I've, I've said it over and over again. They're 14-win team. This is a 14-win team. This is without a without a doubt a 14-win team. With the talent this roster has, I've said it over and over again, they're just not meeting the expectations. They're not putting in the work. They're expecting that, hey, it's just going to be handed to us. We have no reason to believe that. We have to go out and earn it. Two is an average quarterback. I'm not trying to shit on Tua, but he's average. But if you don't prepare for an NFL offense, you will lose the game. And this team, they act like they can just get away of talent when that has not worked. It hasn't worked, and it will never work. You have to study. You have to understand the playbook. You have to be on the same page. You have to be organized. That's how you win. You have to have team chemistry, communication. This defense, secondary, a whole team doesn't have it. And that's a terrible sign. You can't fix that during the season. So the offense in order to win this game, it's going to have to be picture perfect. This needs to be a perfect game from Justin Herbert. And the last time, because the last time the Chargers played this team, I it was back in 2021. I get it. Different coaching staff, different players. Mike Zimmer was the head coach of the Vikings. But Justin Jefferson... Had nine catches, 143 yards. We all know how great he is. 
But this defense is not going to have a great game today. They're not going to rise to the occasion. They don't do that. The only hope is Kirk Cousins turns the ball over a few times or the Vikings implode, then maybe we could win the game. But we still got a lot of issues. And if we want to have any chance of making the postseason, we have to win the day. If we lose today and go 0-3, which is a nightmare to even think about, then the season's over. We're not making the playoffs. We're just not. If we want to have a Hail Mary's chance, any chance, any chance at all of reaching the playoffs, we have to win today. Any, any, any chance. It needs to happen today. If it doesn't happen today, that's a wrap. That's a wrap. So, who am I picking? Who am I picking to win this game? Against better judgment, my head's telling me pick the Vikings. Pick the Vikings. Because, quite frankly, no one should pick us to win any game. No one should. We don't. We haven't deserved it. We haven't deserved any, any ounce of being a favorite. None, 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 none. No way. But with the talent this team has on offense, Kellen Moore, Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, all the receivers, all the playmakers on offense, Austin Eckler's out again, but we have the talent. We have Elijah Dodson. We have Joshua Kelly, who's good enough. He's shown you that he can still be a productive running back, a good enough running back. Get Isaiah Spiller involved. We have the talent. We need to go out there. I'm trusting Justin Herbert. I'm trusting these guys to win the game for us. I'm not putting any faith in the defense. Whatever we get from the defense at this point, this early in the season, it is what it is. It's icing on the cake. But this is playoff mood football in September. This is the big time. This is the big time. The team needs to step up this week. If they don't step up this week, then the season is not going to be a, a success. We are not going to the playoffs. This is going to be a dumpster fire. It's going to be a lost cause. It's going to be pathetic. We've put so much money into this team. We've put so many resources into this team. Put a lot of money into it. And a lot of money into it into the future. We've got to show some results. 
this team, this these players need to go out there and show that they care about this. Make plays. Do more. Put more effort into it. Put some effort into it. We need to see it. It's in it. This team has it. It's in there somewhere. Show it. We haven't shown the passion. We haven't shown the belief. We need to come out there and play the game, play smart football, execute the game plan, communicate. That's how you win games. The only aspect of this team that can that has shown any ability to communicate has been the offense. They need to be the leaders today. Then maybe that will fire up and motivate the defense to do something. Because if it doesn't get done today, the season's a wrap. It's a wrap. So they have to. I'm putting my faith into the offense and Justin Herbert. That's how this game's gonna go. Only chance. If they if they can't deliver today, 0-3, season's a, a wash. So it's a big game today. Huge, huge game. And am I confident in this pick? No, I'm not. Because this team has given me zero reasons to believe in it. Especially on defense. None. I have no faith in the defense. The only hope I'm clinging on to is the offense. Is the quarterback. Offensive coordinator. I need Kellen Moore to rise above Brandon Staley. Like, I don't know what the heck Brandon Staley does in the sidelines half the time. I don't know what he does. I don't know if he's trying to get involved in the play calling. Kellen Moore, shove him away. Rise above the occasion. Lead the team. Kellen Moore is the only hope on the co- on the coaching staff. On the coaching staff, Kellen Moore is our only hope. That's it. That's the only guy. I mean, I'm even like everyone else in the coaching staff. I don't know if if they understand what they're what they're doing. I have no idea. So, Kellen Moore, please. We need you to write the ship, get every, at least be the only competent person on the coaching staff. Because you're not getting it from the head coach. You're not getting it from anywhere else. This team has a lot of problems. But the offense is the least bad unit on this team. So... I'm picking the Chargers against my better judgment. I'm doing it. I got faith. I got to keep faith. 
And it's not not on the defense, but it's on the offense. I need the offense to show up today. And we'll see what happens. All right, so transitioning to some NBA. Damian Lillard still has not been traded. And, you know, I've said it over and over again. The Trailblazers playing hardball is cute. It's great for the narrative, for the local fan base, for the Blazers fan base. It's nice. It's a nice gesture. It's a nice way to cool down the tension. There's attempts to make it better temporary. To make it better in the short term. But it never works. The Blazers, they can hang on as long as they want. But what has NBA history told us over and over again? What has it shown us? Superstars get what they want. They get what they want. They get their money. They get a trade when they want a trade. When a star player demands a trade, they go to where they want to go. Shaq, with the uh, magic, he said, I want out of here. I want to go to the Lakers. He ends up on the Lakers. Dwight Howard wanted out of Orlando. Where did he want to go? To the Lakers? To the Lakers. The Magic said, we're not going to do it. They did it. Anthony Davis. Pelicans. Pelicans said, we will not trade Anthony Davis to the Lakers. Never, ever. That was the messaging coming out of there. And where did Anthony Davis go? He went, he, oh, look, at he's on the Lakers. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Wins the championship. Star player. Kevin Durant wanted a trade from the Nets to the Suns. The Nets said, we're not going to do it. We're going to play hardball. You're a Brooklyn Net. You got four years left on your contract. You heard all that messaging. And, you know, parts of the media were like, yeah, Nets, get them. Yeah, we're not trading him. What happened? Trade deadline took a while. Oh, look at that. Kevin Durant is on the Phoenix Suns. James Harden. He's been a machine at doing this. Demanding trades. Wanted out of Houston. Wanted away. You wanted gone from the Rockets. You was done with the Rockets. Rockets said, no, we're going to take our time. Maybe we can fix this. Nah. He was out of there. Off to the Nets. Brooklyn Nets. Kyrie goes kind of sideways. No team chemistry. Injuries. And James Harden demands a trade. He wants to go to the rival 76ers. Nets say no. We're not going to send you there. And he goes to the 76ers. Look at that. And now he's demanding a trade. 
He has a list of teams. Clippers is one of them. He'll probably end up on the Clippers somehow, some way. NBA stars get what they want. Demi Lillard wants to go to the Miami Heat. Hopefully, for the Miami Heat's sake, he ends up on the Miami Heat. But at minimum, he's going to get traded. He will be traded. This idea that the Trailblazers can bring in Scoot Henderson, their high draft pick, who I believe is going to be a star. Like That guy's going to be really, really good. I believe he's going to win Rookie of the Year. I believe he's going to average 17 to 20 points. I believe he could average to potentially 10 assists per game. I believe he's going to be really, really good. Like Right off from the start. I have said it over and over again. If you would have gone to college, because he was recruited to go to Auburn and play with Jabari Smith, Kessler Walker, that team needed a point guard. Scoot Henderson was going to go there, did not go into the G League with Ignite, played very, very well. That team would have won a national championship. That would have been a heck of a big three, and that team needed a point guard. So Scoot Henderson is going to be really, really really good. You cannot bring him and Damian Lillard to training camp. You can't do it. If the Blazers were serious about keeping Dame on the team as the center of the franchise, they would have traded that pick for a superstar. Paul George... There were a lot of conversations for a lot of other guys. They could have done it. They could have made a splash move, but they didn't want to take the risk. It would have been a risk. Because those type of splash moves, playing with guys you never played before, it's a risk. From a, fran- from a small market franchise perspective, it's a big risk. It's uh, less of, I mean, you're st- it's still a risk, but the draft picks are not as bad because you have an option to not pay them a long-term contract. When you go into these big contracts, absorb these contracts, it's very risky. A lot of franchises get screwed over. Clippers absorb that giant Paul George contract. Threw away a bunch of draft picks. Signed Kawhi to a big term. Long-term contract. It's been a mess. Disappointment. Injuries. It's a risk. The Blazers did not want to take on any risk. It's less risky to just play footsies with the Miami Heat and Demi Lillard. And... Send out strong messages. But we all know what's going to happen at the end of the day. He's going to get traded. And the 76ers are have been contacting the Blazers. And I believe the 76ers should, without a question, trade for Damian Lillard. If the 76ers are serious about winning an NBA championship, which they have said is the goal... They should do it. Like, I get it. They don't want to trade Tyrese Maxey. They don't want to trade James Harden. But you got to. 
Joel Embiid's window is going to be very, very small. He's a banged up, up there in age center, has a lot of knee problems, foot injuries. His window of winning a championship is not going to be very, very long. It's right now. They need to get it done right now. If you have Joel Embiid, you have him in his the peak of his prime, you've got to take advantage of it. James Harden's not the answer. I don't want to hear that crap. I don't want to hear running it back. They need to make a move. I've talked about a nauseam, the Miami Heat, that they should make a move for Damian Lillard. Because what do they need? They need scoring along with Jimmy Butler and Bam. Joel Embiid can get you 50. Damian Lillard can get you 50. But what he does is he avoids hitting a wall like James Harden does. James Harden hits a mental wall of caring. Like when something bad happens in a game, like in this series of the Golden State Warriors this past season against the Celtics in game six and seven, James Harden hits a wall where he's just like, hey, I'm done here. I'm done here. I'm not going to care anymore. That I'm done. This is not going my way. I'm going to quit, whether it's with the Brooklyn Nets, whether it's with the Houston Rockets, with the 76ers, whether it's during the game. He quits when it gets tough. When something when it doesn't go according to plan, he quits. And he does it in a very dramatic way. He called Darren Morey a, a liar. You can't bring that to training camp. You got to get rid of him. And at this point, if you're the 76ers, you got to get him somewhere, whether it's with the Clippers or I don't, doesn't matter. Whoever can take him, like whoever wants him, which quite frankly, I don't think any franchise would want him. So the 76ers might be stuck with him. But you can trade Tyrese Maxey and get involved in some other teams of draft picks and get this deal done. The That's a much better package than what the Miami Heat can offer. Tyler Hero, no one really wants him. You can jump in right now, but it but it involves being risky. If you're the 76ers and you're trying to win a championship, you cannot run it back because if the Miami Heat get Dame, the Miami Heat are automatically the favorites in the East without a question. The Celtics are number one. I don't get that. That's crazy to me. The Celtics, we've seen that over and over again. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, now they added Porzingis, who's already banged up, by the way. The Miami Heat would be the favorite. The Bucks are going to be back. One last hurrah. I'm pretty sure they're going to put all effort into it. The 76ers, they run it back. I'm not sure if they're even better than the Cavaliers and the Knicks. That's not good. When we're talking about finals contenders, I'm, the 76ers, when you look at even the Eastern Conference or the Western Conference, they're not better than the Nuggets, not on the same planet. Not better than the Suns, not better than the Clakers, not better than the Warriors. Like, 
What are we talking about here? Of course, the Blazers and the 76ers should be working out a deal to get Dame. The 76ers need him. Joel Embiid needs a guy like Dame to carry the load. He can do that. Jump ahead. Like if the Miami Heat get him, if the Miami Heat get Dame, it's over for the 76ers. That's over for the 76ers. It's over for Daryl Morey as a GM in the league, as a team president. Because at this point, it's like how many more times do we need to see this trick and pony show and then with Joel Embiid he's going to be demanding a trade because the Knicks I've said it over and over again people have been talking about it the Knicks are going to be contenders for landing Joel Embiid they are lurking in the woods in the weeds they can get him close relationships with the family agent Jay Wright might be a future head coach candidate. Jalen Brunson, Josh Hart. They got a lot of good players. And Joel Embiid in New York that turned that franchise around completely could very well do it. And the Knicks have the assets. They got Randall. They got R.J. Barrett. They got some pieces. Fournier, you got his contract, expiring contract. Draft picks. That's why the Knicks haven't really been aggressive. They signed Dante DiVincenzo. They got Brunson locked up. And, they, you know, they got a good team. Pair Joel Embiid with Jalen Brunson. That's a heck of a team. So if you're the 76ers, you want to keep Joel Embiid long-term, win a championship, get past the second round, for the f- first time since Allen Iverson. It needs to be done. You, so of course they should go after Dame. They should be jumping ahead of the Miami Heat. The fact that they haven't done that. Is ludicrous to me. Absolute ludicrous. Like what are you waiting for? An invite? The 76ers need to wake up. Darren Moore needs to wake up and realize it's on the line for him. Because this team cannot compete with an NBA championship. You can't run it back with James Harden. You just can't. And I understand his love affair for him. All the great stuff James Harden has accomplished under Darren Moore. He traded for him. I get all that. But you gotta lose it. You've gotta lose it. Cut the BS. I mean, you just can't do it. <laughs> I mean, it's it's ridiculous. It's over dramatic. Plunge for Dame. Jump ahead the Miami Heat. Why would you not want to do that? What the Celtics said? Huh, maybe we'll do it. Now they can't because they they just signed Jalen Brown. Good luck with that. But 76ers is right there. Want a chance to get past the second round, make the Eastern Conference Finals, get to the finals where Joel Embiid belongs. 
instead of getting owned by whoever in the playoffs, the Celtics, Miami Heat, Bucks, whoever it is, flip the script. But, hey, if you want to run it back of James Harden and try that, good luck. It's going to be a freaking disaster. Like, I can already, like, that's anyone, any regular person knows that's going to be a mess. That's not going to work. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I mean, who actually believes that? (laughs) Ah, jeez. All right, so switching gears to college football. And man, oh man, it was not prime time for Colorado. Deion Sanders, the fighting primetime Buffaloes, played Oregon yesterday on the road, and they got run over 42-6. Was not not even close. It was a, a complete annihilation. Oregon's a really good team. Not a big fan of the quarterback situation, but they're a really good team. They got a good defense. They're definitely going in the right direction. And I think people need need to understand, I'm definitely all in on the Deion Sanders hype. I picked back in July, you can go back and look up, I said it was realistic for Colorado to win seven to eight games. Look at their schedule in the Pac-12, which is, you know, a loaded conference. It's not easy. It's arguably the best conference in the league or in college football. They can beat teams like Arizona State. They can beat teams like Stanford. They can beat UCLA, who's up and down, hasn't quite met met expectations of Chip Kelly. Oregon State. They can beat teams like Washington State. They can get some wins here and there. I was saying seven to eight wins would be a great first season, but the media has sort of turned it into national championship. Colorado is not a national champion contender. Not this season. Like, let's make sure we understand that. Let's make sure we get that enforced because I think people lost control of themselves and started soaking up the hype started eating it, started getting delusional, started tripping over the fact that, hey, you don't just turn it around automatically. You just don't. Now, some programs can, like the Alabamas, the Ohio States, the Notre Dames, classical programs, they can turn it around. Any of the Texas's uh, schools, they can turn it around on a dime. Programs like Colorado, a dumpster mat, a dumpster pit, and college football historically. I mean, they've had a few good moments, but this was not going to be Dion prime time turn it around and win a championship. Now, they have good players in the team. Shador Sanders, I believe, is a really good quarterback. 
Do I believe he's better than Caleb Williams? Not quite. But Shador Sanders is really, really good. Travis Hunter, he was hurt, didn't play yesterday. They still would have lost. Travis Hunter's really, really good. He's a freakish athlete. He can play defense and offense. But is that sustainable? No. They probably need to look at that again. He can play both sides, but maybe not 150 snaps, 170 snaps. He can't do that every week. He's going to get hurt. And then that's going to shorten his opportunities in the NFL. Because he's going to play in the NFL. Shador is going to play in the NFL. But the rest of the team, the O-line, the defense, it's not good. Oregon had total rushing yards, 240 yards. Colorado had 40. Colorado couldn't run the ball. They couldn't stop it. You're not going to win. You're not going to win. Not happening. 30 first downs compared to 13. You're not. It's going to be very, very hard to win. When in the trenches, you're soft. Colorado, hate to be rude, hate to be mean, but they're soft right now. They're not very good. When you almost lose games to Colorado State, when you had to come back and fight and claw and win that game, you're not a great team. Now, like I said, they can beat teams like Washington State, Arizona State, Arizona, but teams like USC, Utah, the top teams in the Pac-12, no. No way. Seven, eight wins is a good first year, and that's fine. I think people need to understand that. That's all that I'm saying. Like this idea that Colorado could win the national championship, win the Pac-12, I believe we're getting ahead of ourselves. Next year, they get a turn it around in NIL, recruiting, add on more to the team, address some of the issues that they have, glaring issues. Then maybe they have a chance to be a top contender, but not yet. Not yet. And listen, I love the story, but I think people need to slow down. And I know the whole narrative this week, the whole narrative, the whole storyline this week is going to be that, uh-oh, Colorado overrated, Colorado this, Colorado that. Are they legitimate? They were never... They Anyone who understands would not put Colorado as a national championship contender. If you thought that, then you don't know, then you don't know anything. Like, that was never a realistic scenario. Like, it never was. So, all I said was seven, eight wins. They can still do that. They're already at three. They will lose the USC, but I believe they can beat Arizona State, get healthy, get Travis Hunter back, beat Stanford, beat UCLA maybe in a shootout game. Oregon State at home, Arizona, Washington State, 
Utah is going to be tough. Utah is a really good team. But it's going to be tough. Like, they were not going to go zoom through the Pac-12 and win the national championship. So, other top games from the weekend and college football. Florida State squeaks past Clemson 31-24 in overtime. Oof. Florida State getting passed with some squeaky victories. Number 11, Utah, one of my playoff teams. Man, they still get it done. This is one of my playoff teams, 14-7. This team has a great defense. They have a great, great coach. They are tough as nails. They will win the Pac-12. Like, Utah is really good. Not many teams can win and dominate games when their star quarterbacks hurt. Little Nate Johnson for Utah is doing a great job keeping them on schedule, making enough smart plays, not doing anything stupid, trusting your defense. That's how they're winning these games. That's how they smothered Florida. That's how they smothered UCLA and Chip Kelly. Great job by Utah and Little Nate Johnson. Alabama crushes Ole Miss, 24-10. Duke stomps UConn, 41-7. That's a joke. And LSU gets past Arkansas, 34-31. And Texas annihilates Baylor, 38-6. Notre Dame falls to Ohio State, 17-14. Tough, tough one for the Irish. And I've been a huge Marcus Freeman supporter. I thought Notre Dame was going to win that game last night. They had it. Sam Hartman led him on a touchdown drive. And the defense, late game execution on defense, similar to the Chargers a little bit. Notre Dame had 10 guys on the field? Terrible. Can't have that in late game, and they gave him a walk-off running touchdown to Ohio State. And listen, I believe Notre Dame can still get to the playoff. I believe they are a really good team. I believe they are better than Ohio State. I believe they will beat Clemson this season. I believe they'll beat USC. I believe they will still be in the mix. This definitely does not ruin that for... Notre Dame, I believe Marcus Freeman has a great team. They got a great defense, got a great quarterback. They got a great run game. Don't count out Notre Dame. I believe they will be there. They just didn't make enough plays. They shot themselves in the foot late in the game. You can't have that if you want to win. So I believe I believe Notre Dame's still in. They got two other opportunities. They can shut down USC, win that game, beat Clemson, Notre Dame still good. All right, so Penn State shuts out Iowa 31-0. And USC gets past Arizona State 42-28. And Washington crushes California 59-32. And those are the scores from college football from the big games this Saturday. So Chargers 
take on the Vikings. I'm sticking with the Chargers. Huge game today. I'm trusting Justin Herbert. I'm trusting the offense. I'm trusting those guys to make plays to carry us the victory. They need to because if not, if we fall to 0-3, it's over. We can hit 1-2 is manageable. 0-3 is disaster. The Titanic sinking. Like, when you start taking on 0-3 water, it's not good. It's like we are in playoff mood football. This team needs to come out like it's a playoff game. It's never good to be in playoff mood in September, but we got to play like it. Because if we want to save the season, if we want to save the season, we've got to win today. Justin Herbert needs to play well. Everyone needs to play well. Kellen Moore needs to be on his A game. And Brandon Staley needs to step out of the way. Kellen Moore needs to rise above. Justin Herbert needs to rise above. Everyone on offense needs to rise above. The head coach slash defense and competence, we need to get past it. That involves the offense balling out of control, making plays, making winning plays. So I believe against my better judgment, the Chargers win the game 35-34. Cameron Decker game-winning field goal. That's how the Chargers win. Decker the kicker wins the game. Justin Herbert has a big game, but the defense, I believe, still sucks. Justin Jefferson will have a big game. All the receivers have a big game. Running back prize a big game. Kirk Cousins will have a big game. But we somehow, someway, we win the game 35-34. So, hopefully we can enjoy the game. It's going to give us a heart attack. It's going to give us... It's going to be a roller coaster. But I believe... Chargers win. I don't know how. They get it done. Hopefully, they better get it done. Because if not, season's over. It's over. So, that is it for Opinions All Day. I will see you guys next time.